0: the most important things in life can't be bargained for. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Some people say, well,
1: I've kind of made my peace with God. God and I have this agreement. I don't know what God you're talking about because uh, God has only given one plan and it applies to everyone and it goes like this. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. It is an exclusive, narrow access you have. It is only faith in Christ that makes God known. Welcome
0: to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So do you like a good mystery? Who doesn't, right? Maybe you grew up reading the Hardy Boys books or Nancy Drew, or did you watch Scooby-Doo? Remember what they would do at the end of each Scooby-Doo episode? Yes, they would pull the mask off the bad person to reveal who it really was. You know, the best mystery stories are the ones where the mystery is solved, where what used to be hidden is now made known. I don't think anyone would like a mystery if it actually stayed mysterious. Well, did you know that the Bible has some mysteries in it as well? There are things that in earlier centuries, people didn't understand, but now with the coming of Jesus, God has revealed them. Last week, Pastor Trent took us to Ephesians chapter three, where the Apostle Paul made an amazing
1: statement. He wrote, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, we're
0: about to hear the second part of the message, no longer a mystery. Here's Pastor Trent.
1: You see, when we think about God, when we think about the gospel, so often we want to keep God mysterious. I mean, God is out there, He's other, He's holy. And we think, man, he would be a hard guy to get to know. And that would be true if it were not for the fact that God actually wants to make the mystery known. What we have in scripture and what we have in Jesus Christ is the revelation of what can be known about God. Not everything about God can be known but what God has chosen to reveal himself can be known. And God wants you to know this mystery. And Paul has this revelation. And yet in verse four, we've already read it. He says, you can have the same insight that I have. I've had the revelation, but I'm trying to give it away. I'm trying to let God be known among you. The will and the ways of God can be known to the degree that God has self-disclosed those things through Jesus recorded in his word. And then he says, we're partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Remember that promise that God made back in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham? We are now recipients and partakers of the same promise because we're connected to Christ Jesus through, do you see it, the end of verse six? Through the gospel. That's the good news, that no matter who you are, no matter what your heritage, no matter what you've done, whether you are black or white, young or old, rich or poor, Irish or Wolverine, Northern Southerner, it doesn't matter. The gospel is for everyone. And everyone can now have access to the Father because the mystery of Christmas has been solved. And Paul was in prison because he was preaching that message. Paul was not in prison because he was preaching Christ. Paul was in prison because he was preaching Christ alone. The mystery is solved through the gospel. If God seems distant, if God seems mysterious to you, it's because you haven't come to him through the gospel. Here's the second thing. The mystery is displayed through the church. Look at verse seven. Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Does that sound a little arrogant to you? Does that sound like Paul's kind of bragging on himself there? I am a minister because I was given a gift and it's given to me through the working of his power. Listen, if that seems arrogant at all to you, you're not reading it right because look at the very next verse. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so again, Paul saw himself as a recipient, not so that he could sit around and just kind of get cozy up and just kind of keep it to himself. And I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. No, Paul was on mission. He had work to do. There was a church to build. And so he understood that his responsibility now was to be a minister. A minister is not somebody that wears a weird collar. It's not even somebody that's on a church staff. I mean, in a certain sense, I guess there's a ministry there that God has given us that may have a little more responsibility. But listen, if you are in Christ, if you are a part of this church, you are a minister. You know what a minister is? A minister is a garden hose. You hook it up on one end to the source and you spray it on anybody nearby. That's all it is. A minister is a channel. It is taking the resources of heaven, God's grace, the message of the gospel, through a loving channel to meet human need for the glory of God. And Paul said, "I'm the worst. I'm the least. I I I don't understand why God would use somebody as leaky as me to distribute that gospel." And you may feel like I can't be that person. Paul said I can't be that person either. And yet he is saying, "You're better off than he is. You're not sitting in a prison. You've got a circle of influence." And he wants you to become a part of the mission as the church to display this mystery that's been solved through the gospel. You see, we want to sit back and admire the gospel. Isn't it beautiful? Let's, let's write songs about that and let's decorate the church and let's send Christmas cards and let's gather our family in our pajamas around and let's just, let's have a nice little devotion and read the Christmas story. Nothing wrong with any of that. But it's got to be more than admiring the gospel. God doesn't want you to sit back and admire the gospel. God wants you to go out and distribute the gospel, to preach the gospel. You say, "Well, if if I had a if I had a nice pulpit like Pastor Trent has, I, I'm sure that I could I could preach the gospel. If he if he would just give me a shot on Sunday morning, I'm sure that I could do it just." Listen, do, do you understand that this was not my first pulpit? Okay. Um, you don't get a pulpit like this until you use the pulpit you already have. And you have a pulpit. Do you understand that? You are to distribute the gospel message wherever you are said that I am a minister by the grace of God to distribute the gospel to all who will hear. We want to sit back and admire the gospel. God wants you to use the pulpit you have to distribute the gospel. Do you understand that you have a pulpit? We want God to work without us. God wants to get the work done through us. Two weeks ago, I got a message in my Facebook inbox from a 17-year-old girl in this church. She sent it to Andrea and me, and um, this is what it says. It says, Pastor Trent and Mrs. Griffith, I just want to encourage you both with an amazing but God story from today. A friend of mine added me to a group text conversation she started so that uh, we would pray for others. One day I checked it and a girl who I didn't know was texting me about some hard things that she was facing and she asked for prayer. I texted her privately and sent her some verses and encouragement and asked her how old she was and if she lived in the area, 17 year old, run on sentence, and and, and, and I asked her if she wanted to come to church with me. She messaged me back and said she'd never really been to church, but would love to come to our youth group. I was shocked because I'd never even met her, but it was 100% God in control. She's been coming to youth group and to church these past few weeks, and she's been asking lots of questions about the gospel. Today, two weeks ago, we went out to Panera. There's a pulpit at Panera. (laughs) We went out to Panera after church, and she had her but God moment. It was all him and I loved humbly sitting back and watching him move and it was so cool how he planned everything and how we uh, met in such a crazy way. We gave her a Bible and a prayer journal and it was the best feeling in the world hearing her pray and give her life to him and her hunger for him. She said the message today answered every question she was afraid to ask. She said she felt like God was speaking through you just to her. She's sitting right over there. Can I ask you a question? Where's your pulpit? Who do you love so much that you would risk opposition, resistance, and rejection so that somebody else could hear the message so they wouldn't have to go to hell? You're a minister. And God wants to get this message through you. The world is watching and waiting to see if the church really thinks the gospel is that big a deal. How big a deal is it to you? Look down here at verse nine. Here's what happens when you preach the gospel. You bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. Verse 10, so that... Through the church. There it is. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. I want you to think about what I just read. So that the wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do you know what God is doing through the church? He is displaying His wisdom and His grace. We said the world is watching the church. Do you know who else is watching? Something He calls the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What in the world is that? You understand there is a spiritual realm you understand there are spiritual beings. Angels, you've heard of these? There are two kinds of angels. There are angels and then there are fallen angels. Angels exist to do the will of God. Fallen angels exist to oppose the will of God. And neither angels nor fallen angels have ever experienced the grace of God. And so do you know the only way they can know anything about the grace of God? It's by watching the church. If you think grace is still a big deal, if you think the gospel is still a big deal, they're watching you. As a matter of fact, Peter, another apostle, commented on this in his book. He said this, there are some things that have now been announced to you. True or false? Some things announced to you? If I'm doing my job right, that's true. Okay? Some things that are announced to you? Through those who preach the good news to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The angels are watching you so they can know how big a deal the grace of God is. Because angels... And demons have never experienced the grace of God. Church is a big deal. When we gather on a Sunday, when we lift our voices in praise, when we make much of Jesus Christ, we are displaying not only to a lost world, but to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places, how big a deal the gospel of grace really is to us. Your attendance at church is a big deal. I know I'm preaching the choir right now. I mean, you overcome a lot to get here this morning and praise God that if I think if we canceled church, you'd show up anyway. I mean, it's like, what's wrong with you? Look like we ought to have church. And church is a big deal. Your membership in church is a big deal. Still some of you haven't gotten over the hump of you know, just coming, kicking the tires and just kind of showing up, but, but actually embracing responsibility and saying, I want to be responsible for what's going on around here. Not just benefiting from the church, but contributing to the church. Membership is a big deal. You're serving and leading in the church is a big deal. You're giving to the church is a big deal. And every time you pry your fingers off of something God has given you to give back to him, you display what a big deal church and the gospel is. And church planting is a big deal. We make a big deal. You know, we only do two things around here. You know what we do? We make disciples and we plant churches. That's what we do. Do you know that only 4% of churches ever reproduce themselves? We've already done that like four or five times around here. We've got the campus up in St. Joe. Uh, We've already sent out Jeremiah Canfield and we've planted Harvest Bible Chapel in Pittsburgh. We've sent out Jamie Hart and he's planted Harvest Bible Chapel in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We've sent out Micah Mathis and he's about to open the doors to Harvest Bible Chapel there in St. Louis on the south side. And now we've got Enrique who's getting ready to plant Harvest Bible Chapel in Belize. Church is a big deal. Why? Because it's through the church that the mystery of the gospel is on display. Here's the third point. The mystery is accessed through our faith. Look at verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I've heard some people say that You know, the cross and Bethlehem, that was kind of God's plan B because the first plan really didn't work. You know, his original purpose was kind of Adam and Eve, but they blew it. And so he had to come up with this kind of secondary alternative plan and he kind of got it started through Abraham and then that didn't really work. And so he had to kind of start over with Jesus. That is not what the scripture teaches, folks. God's plan A has always been from the beginning of time, his eternal purpose was that all of it was realized in Christ, Jesus, verse 12, in whom we have two things, boldness and access with confidence. Here it is through our faith in him. The word access there in verse 12 reminded me of something that happened on Friday morning. Andrea and I go to a local gym and work out in the morning and, um, we, we have a key fob that unlocks the door of the gym. Do, do you understand a key fob? It's kind of this magical wand, you know, that opens doors. And, uh, and we both have one, but when we go together, we just kind of make sure that one of us has one. So, so Andrea had hers. We went together. We went and worked out an hour later. It's time to leave the gym. But Andrea needed to finish a conversation with somebody that she was having in the gym. She instructed me I needed to go out and move a Christmas package from one car to the other. And so I went out the door of the gym Okay, after an hour working out, I am a big ball of sweat. I walk out of the gym, it's five degrees, okay? I am being crystallized (laughs) with every second that passes by. And so I do my job, but then I realize I don't have keys to the car, she's got them inside the gym, and I don't have a key fob to get back in the gym. I don't have access to heat. (laughs) I am beginning to look like Olaf in Frozen, okay? And so I just went to the window. I'm like pounding on the inside. I'm I'm dying out here, you know? I needed somebody from the inside to give me access. Unless I had a key, an access key do you understand what the access key is to everything that we've been talking about? It is your faith. It is not your intellectual agreement with what we've said. It's not scoring 100 on a Bible trivia test. It's not your religious training. It's not your family background. It's not your history. And it is certainly not your good works or self-righteousness. All that we have talked about is accessed exclusively through through your faith, your dependence upon, your reliance upon something outside of you to get you into places you don't belong. It is our faith that gives us access to the gospel, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And until you intentionally activate your faith, everything I'm talking about is going to be mysterious to you. God doesn't want it to be mysterious. He wants you to know him. And the enemy of faith is not bad deeds. Some people kind of, well, there's two categories of people. You have faithful people and you have really bad people. No, there's another enemy to faith. You know what it is? Not only bad deeds, but good deeds. Some people avoid Jesus by being really bad Other people avoid Jesus by being really good. And if you're good enough and you're smart enough and you're religious enough, who needs Jesus? You'll begin to think you can get there without him. And even if you have already activated faith to be saved years ago, do you understand you need as much faith today to save you as you needed then And it is only by re-believing and repenting every time God's word is revealed to me that I will take my next step in relationship with him. Is your faith active or is your faith passive? Is your faith present or is your faith past? Every time God reveals himself to you, you must choose to activate faith, to believe him and to obey him if you're gonna take any further step onward with God. All of it is accessed through your faith. Here's what we're saying. Sometimes we want to make up an individualized, unique plan just for us. Some people say, well, I just, I've, I've kind of made my peace with God or God and I have this agreement. I don't know what God you're talking about because uh, God has only given one plan and it applies to everyone, and it goes like this. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. It is an exclusive, narrow access you have. It is only through faith in Christ that makes God known. Look at the last verse, verse 13. So... I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he starts out this whole paragraph telling us that he's in prison. Not not because he's doing something wrong, but because he's doing something right. He would rather go to prison than for you to go to hell and so they're probably feeling kind of sorry for them. Like, but Paul's really suffering because he's, he's risked his life to give us the gospel. And they were, maybe were depressed. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm doing all of this for you. And it is through this ministry, this garden hose that you are becoming glorious. And you know what Paul is saying? It's worth it. It's worth any price I have to pay. Can I ask you this question? Who do you love that much? That at your own cost, you would get the gospel to them so that they could have access to the things that God has given you access to. You see, we think resistance makes us failures. God thinks resistance makes us glorious It's in the refining, it's in the hardship, it's in pressing through that God brings a greater glory through our sufferings. I don't know what kind of resistance you have. I don't know what kind of suffering you're going through. It may be a physical problem or a relational issue or a financial difficulty. Do, Do you know that in that resistance, God is making his glory known through you because now you're a real person. I mean, people that get this kind of pulpit, They expect me to live right. They don't expect you to live right. You're real. And when you suffer and you have difficulty, you're not getting paid to be a preacher. And so the only reason you would be preaching this message is because you actually love the people. You're actually making a bigger deal about their security than you are yours. And so we think resistance makes us a failure. God thinks resistance makes us glorious. And then this last thing, we think running away from difficulty is reasonable. God thinks facing toward difficulty is glorious. What do you do when you meet difficulty? Shut down, crawl in a hole, suck your thumb, get on the phone with your sister, complain about how terrible life is? Is that what you do? Or do you realize that we'll never have the ultimate glory until we're with him in heaven? And so whatever we have to endure down here is worth it because God is making us glorious. That's what he's like. Don't lose heart. He says, over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory there is so much glory in this room right now because you suffer well, because you obey God in spite of the resistance. And that brings an incredible joy that the world can't explain because you know the mystery's been solved through the gospel. The mystery is on display through the church and the mystery is accessed by your faith. In summary, let's put it this way. The gospel is for everyone. Church is a big deal. And my faith is absolutely critical if I'm gonna have joy in the difficult circumstances that I'm in.
0: Wow, Paul thought it was worth suffering so that others could have access to the things of God. Trent Griffith just said it, but it's worth repeating. Paul would rather go to prison than have those he was writing to go to hell. That's powerful. Our web address is MyGospelCity.org and that's where you can listen back to this program or other past episodes of Resonate. MyGospelCity.org is also where you can go to get more information about visiting Gospel City Church for a worship service. Our main building is in Granger, Indiana, not too far from University Park Mall, but we also have a campus that meets in Elkhart County. Again, you can find all the details at mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook when you search for Gospel City Church. Well, have you ever thought religion is one big list of things you're not allowed to do? Next week, Pastor Trent shows us that the commands of scripture are really based on who we are as believers in Jesus. And as he puts it, the gospel
1: shouts the indicatives and then it ignites the imperatives.
0: We'll hear more about it next week as Pastor Trent continues our study in the book of Ephesians. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.